Well, once again, good morning and welcome back to our services here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. It is just a great day to be in the house of the Lord, wherever you may be. I'm glad that you're able to worship here with us this morning. You know, this was an exciting week this week. Uh, Major League Baseball is finally back and I am super duper excited about that. I am wearing my St. Louis Cardinals red today to celebrate uh, the reopening of Major League Baseball. And I was thinking a little bit about that this week as I started to finally get to watch some games. Now, it was finals week. I didn't get to watch near as many games as I would like, um, but I was thankful that I was able to catch a few games, and I couldn't help but notice baseball looks and feels very, very different this year, and some of you may have noticed that as well. Um, they're playing in empty stadiums. Um, they have pumped in crowd noise and pumped in sound effects, but when you look around the stadium, there is nobody in attendance, and I thought, wow, that must be really hard for the baseball players. Well, I can relate because here we are and I'm up here on stage talking to you at home uh, here in California and Illinois, wherever you may be. And sure enough, here I'm playing to an empty audience as well. So I can totally relate to what they're going through. But I hope just as I was excited to have baseball back, even though it looks and feels a little bit different, I hope that you're glad that the church is still here and still functioning and the church is not closed, even though just like baseball, it looks and it feels just a little bit different. So again, thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to launch into a different section of our series here today. And that's going to be talking about training for vocational discipleship. And I know that may sound a little strange. And some of you may be thinking, wait, is he telling me that we all need to become preachers and teachers and worship leaders? No, that's not what we're talking about this morning. Um, But I hope that it's something that you're going to find enlightening. And I hope it's something that you'll find very useful because this one is a very practical lesson. This is a very practical lesson about how we can treat our workplace not only as worship, but as a way to shine the light of Christ to others. And don't worry, I'm not saying that Monday morning you need to go out and preach to all of your coworkers. That's not what we're talking about. But I want you to start looking at your workplace a little bit differently. And I hope that by the time we're done here this morning, you will be able to do that as well. So let's launch right in and let's start off with a definition because I want to make sure that we're all on the same page and we're all talking about the same concept this morning as we begin to move forward. Vocational discipleship simply means knowing and living God's calling. And that's understanding what we are made to do, especially in the arena of work and right-sizing our ambitions for God's purpose. This is such a cool concept, and I'm actually really excited to be able to share this with you here this morning, and that's this idea of we spend so much time at work, and how are we glorifying God during that time, or what are we doing to portray Jesus in a positive light when we're at work, or when we're volunteering, or when we're in our civic organizations, or when we're on our teams, or whatever the case may be, That's exactly what we're talking about here this morning. So let's look at our scripture for today. And this is kind of our theme scripture, if you will. This is the scripture that really drives this point home for us. And that's found in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. I love the first part of that verse where it says, whatever you do. It doesn't say if you're a preacher or if you're a teacher or if you're an elder or if you're a deacon. It says whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Because see, that's how we're doing things that are pleasing to God is when we do it to the best of the abilities that he's given us to do. And then it says, 
as working for the Lord. Now, obviously, we all have bosses, and we all have people that we report to, and we have people that are higher up on the food chain than us, but we should do it as if we were working directly for God and the things that would make him happy, so with a positive attitude and doing it in a manner that would be pleasing to God. And that's exactly what this whole concept is all about. So let's think about our workplace for a few minutes. And again, maybe this is your workplace, or maybe this is where you volunteer, but our workplace becomes a place where much of our faith is tested and reaffirmed and refined. Because, see, we can come to church, or in this case, we can virtually be at church on Sunday mornings, and and we can hear all the right things, and we can say all the right things. But what happens when we hop in our car on Monday morning, and we drive to the office, or we drive to the restaurant, or we drive to the courthouse, or wherever it is that we go to work? Are we taking those same thoughts, concepts, and ideas with us? Or is that something we just talk about in the the context of going to church or being at church? Because, see, we're not just a Christian when we're at church. We're not just a Christian when we're at home. We're a Christian all the time. And that includes work. We spend a lot of time at work. The average person works about 40 to 50, sometimes upwards of 60 hours a week. That's a lot of time that you're spending at work as compared to the hopefully two hours or two and a half hours a week that you're spending at church. So that's why we really want to focus on this idea of what do we do when we're at work to continue to glorify God. This is where we get to live out our faith. See, it's easy to say, yes, I'm a Christian, and it's easy to say I always do the right thing and I act with integrity, but it's a whole different story than when we have to put that into practice. And I hope that you, live, that you live and work in an environment that allows you to do that, but that's not always the case. I can tell you from personal experience, I actually left one of my sales jobs that I had prior to going into full-time ministry. I had to leave that job because they were asking me to do things that not only did I not agree with, but the Bible wouldn't agree with either. They were asking me to make exceptions and to bend the numbers for the the concept of making a sale. And that's something I just wasn't willing to do. And I had to take a stand based on my faith. And they asked me and they said, hey, so, you know, hey, we, we told you this is what you really need to do if you want to make sales. And I said, I'm not willing to do that. And they said, well, why not? And I said, my faith does not allow me to lie, cheat, or steal for the concept of making a sale. And I ended up leaving that job because I just wasn't willing to do that. But that's an example of how our our faith is not only tested but refined when we're found in those situations where we have to truly put Jesus above our work or our career. We can build and generate relationships. The last segment of our series, we talked all about the importance of building relationships. Well, we have a chance to do that every day because, again, we spend more time at work a lot of times than we do with our own families or our spouses. So we have an opportunity to build those genuine relationships, and we're not going to go back into that because we've already talked a lot about that, but we have an opportunity to build those relationships, those godly relationships. We have a chance to be that example and to teach others, just like we talked about when Paul taught Timothy and Timothy taught others. We have that same ability to do that at work, the place that we're at every day. And this gives us a chance to pursue significance. And what I mean by that is, how do we make our work significant, regardless of what your job is? If you're a doctor, a lawyer, a cashier, a waiter, a waitress, a chef, it doesn't matter. But we can find significance in our workplace. 
And that's exactly what our, our kind of target verse for today is all about. It's all about finding ways to glorify God regardless of what our career is. I want you to start to think about how we make work and worship come together. Because, see, our work can be worship regardless of what it is. I don't read anywhere in the Bible where it says everyone should be a preacher or a teacher or a pastor or an elder or a deacon. See, we're all given different gifts. And we're all given different ways to glorify God and the things that we do and the talents that we've been given. So I want you to really start thinking about this concept of your work being your mission field or being your place to continue worshiping God in everything that you do. Because, see, worship isn't just when we get together and we sing songs. Yes, that is worship, of course. But worship is so much more than that. We should be worshiping him in everything that we say and do. So let's look at some statistics, because you know I love statistics. And this is talking about the concept that we've been talking about for weeks now of building resilient disciples. And the first one, and I know these are a little bit hard to read, and I apologize. I'm happy to send this to you if you'd like to see it. But it says, I want to use my unique talents and gifts to honor God. 94% of resilient disciples agree with that statement. The next one is, Christians are called to do their work with integrity, no matter what type of work it is. And we see that 89% would agree with that statement. The next one says, God designs each person with a unique calling for their life. 87% of resilient disciples agree with that statement. And then we read, I believe that all the work I do is important to God and 82% of resilient disciples agree with that. It says, my church does a good job of helping me understand how to live out my faith in the workplace. 72% of resilient disciples. And this one may be the most important of all. It says, I do not have to work in a ministry to be working for God's kingdom. 69% of resilient disciples agree with that statement. So again, I'm not talking today, when we talk about vocational discipleship, I'm not trying to tell you you need to go out and quit your job and go back to school and become a preacher or a Bible teacher. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how do we glorify him regardless of what our vocation may be. So let's look at some more scripture. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6, and this is, speaking, uh, this is speaking directly to parents. It says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they were old, they will not turn from it. Now, of course, we know that this is talking about teaching them about Jesus and teaching them about God and teaching them the gospel. Don't mishear this. I'm not saying that's not important, but I don't believe that that's all that we're talking about. We're talking about how do we raise them up to be good, productive members of society and to find their calling that God has given them. That's what we're talking about. So in addition to teaching them about Jesus, which is very, very important, we're also talking about how do we help them find their calling? And once we've helped them find their calling, how do we get them to that place? And how do we teach them how to glorify God regardless of what that place may be or what that may look like? Because again, it's going to be different for every single one of us. Question. Are our goals for the next generation more about how our kids make us feel 
than about how God is calling them to do or be. And I want you to think about that question for a minute, especially if you have kids that are high school age or younger. Is what we want for our kids what God wants for our kids or what we want for our kids? I've seen this in youth ministry a lot, where I I run into places where kids say, well, I guess I'm going to go to school for X, Y, Z, because that's what my parents really want me to do. Or, I guess I'm going to go to this particular school because this is the school my parents went to, or my father went to, or my mother went to. But is that really the best way to point kids in the direction of doing what God is calling them to do? How are we defining success? Is success only if my kid becomes a doctor or a lawyer or some high-paying job where he's going to be able to work for a few years and retire early with all the toys? That's not what success is all about. That may be what the world sees as success, but that is not what God sees as success. So let's look at what does God see as success? This is, a very, this is a very common scripture for most of you, but Jesus defines success in a different way. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It doesn't say seek a high-paying job. It doesn't say seek to drive a brand new car every two years. It doesn't say seek to have this beautiful home. Not that there's anything wrong with those things. But it says to seek the kingdom. So are we teaching our kids to seek the kingdom? Are we teaching our kids to seek money and wealth and power? See, we've got to to remind them of how God sees success. And we've got to encourage them to find that calling that God has for their lives. And maybe that is that they're called to be a doctor or lawyer. That's great. Those are great professions to have. Because God needs people to do all of the different jobs that need to be done. But we got to, we've got to bring that next generation up to help them figure out exactly what that is. So, when kids were asked, what do you want to do in life? It, as a rule, falls into three different categories. And those three categories are entrepreneurs. These are your business owners, your executives, your high-powered people. You've got your STEM, and that's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. All very important fields, of course. And then you've got your creative bucket. And this is your filmmakers and your artists and your, and your creative type people. But here's what I found interesting about that. So, so this is when they took this poll, right? This is, this is how kids answered this question. But I want you to look at one other thing. And we don't have time to read it right now, but I want to encourage you to look this up when you have time. But in Genesis chapter 4, we're laid out the three different work fields that are available or that should be taken care of. And one is to create beauty, and one is to cultivate abundance, and one is to generate order. Do those sound very, very familiar to what we just talked about? Create beauty, that's those creative things. You've got generate order. That's those STEM type things, the people that are creating the structure and the order. And then you've got your create abundance, and that's your entrepreneurs and your people who are selling. So I find it very ironic that when they did this, that they did this this survey, right, that, that it fell into three different buckets that line up perfectly with what the Bible says in Genesis chapter four. That's amazing. 
God knows, and God puts these thoughts and these feelings and these gifts into us so that we can use them to accomplish his tasks. See, resilient disciples, they say things like this. I see how my faith and my work are inseparable. See, we don't don't just check our faith at the door when we go into work. It says, I know how to help others discover who God meant them to be. Are we helping others to determine who God designed them to be and how they can use their talents, regardless of what it is, to advance the kingdom? It says, I am not just a consumer, but a maker and a creator. See, we have have this intelligence and we have this free will and we're able to go out and do these amazing things and it's different for all of us. I'm not a, a creative type. I can barely write my own name. But, but I'm amazed when I see people who God has given these creative gifts to and the amazing things they do with those, with those gifts. It says, I feel confident for the future because I know God will provide. And that goes back to that faith that we have, that God is in control and that God has given us the gifts and the skills and the tools that we need to be successful. So our goal for the church should be then that every person can grow up and be able to say, I know who God is, I choose to follow him, I know who God created me to be, and how my purpose in life fits with his plan for the world. So as a church, how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's what we're going to talk about. I finally found a way to work Star Wars into one of my lessons. For those of you who know me, I love Star Wars. I have Star Wars Funko Pops on my desk. I have Star Wars artwork on my walls. I love Star Wars. But this is appropriate to based on what we're talking about because we're talking about how as a church do we do this? Well, well let's, look at, let's look at two characters from the movie Star Wars. Right, The one on the left is Obi-Wan Kenobi and one on the right is Master Yoda. So, If you're not familiar with Star Wars, I don't have time to get into the nutshell of what that's all about, but the main character of Star Wars is Luke Skywalker. Now, Luke Skywalker had the ambition, and he had the big dreams, and he knew what he wanted to do, and he had a little bit of skill, but he didn't know what to do with that skill. and He didn't know how to apply that skill and to use it for good. So so he had these two great mentors who were able to teach him how to use this gift that he had been given for good. Because, see, he had the raw tools, but he didn't know what to do with those tools. He had a lot of ambition. He didn't know how to use it. So he had people pouring into his life that were able to take those raw skills and to teach him how to use that. And that's what we need to do as a church. And maybe that looks like mentorship. I don't know. Maybe we need to have a vocational Bible school instead of just a vacation Bible school. Maybe we need to bring some folks from our church that that work in different fields and have different skills and abilities, and we need to bring them together so they can talk to people about not only what it is that they do, but how they use that to glorify God. But but we've got to be the ones to do that for them, because, see, they need help with that. Just like at some point we needed help to get into the field that we're in. I spent many, many years 
working in sales before I ever got to full-time ministry. I've only been in full-time ministry for almost three years now. But I've been in volunteer ministry for years that helped me prepare for this. But are we helping the next generation prepare for whatever their different work field or whatever their occupation is going to be to not only help them get into that occupation, but to glorify God in everything that they do? All right, enough with my Star Wars rant. Let's look at some more scripture. Let's jump over to the New Testament, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila. And, excuse me, Aquila, a native of Potmus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. So as Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. I love that Paul who had all of these gifts and all of these abilities and that God used in such a powerful way to write, what, half of the New Testament, basically. But yet Paul still worked. He worked as a tent maker. Paul still had an occupation because God had given him an ability to make tents. So he worked as a tent maker. But here's the really cool thing. So this is kind of the start of our story. Now we're going to jump way ahead. We're going to jump in Acts chapter 18 up to verses, we're going to start in verse 24. So Acts 18, 24 says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. It says, He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. It says, He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor, and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. Picking up in verse 26, it says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. It says, When Apollos wanted to go to Acacia, It says, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. It says, when he arrived, he was great help to those who by grace had believed. And finishing up in verse 28, it says, for he vigorously refuted the Jewish opponents in public debate. It says, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Paulus had become this strong believer who was able to then teach others because Paul saw his workplace as worship. See, Paul taught Aquila and Priscilla, and then they were able to help teach Apollos, and Apollos went on to do these amazing things. But it all goes back to the workplace. Because see, Paul, while they were making tents, was teaching them about Jesus and the ways of Jesus and the scriptures so that when that time came and they ran into Apollos who was teaching but didn't fully understand what he was teaching they were able to pull him aside invited him into their home sat down at the table with him and said hey the conversation probably went something like this you're doing a great job but 
here's some more information that you need to have to make you more well-rounded. And that happened because they worked with Paul. See, this whole idea of our workplace as worship is so important, and we see the example all the way back to Paul of how Paul used his workplace as a tent maker to build up other disciples who went on to build up other disciples. And that is how we go from 20% resilient disciples to 30% to 40% to 50%. But it started in the workplace. Are we doing the same thing? Are we talking to people about Jesus? Are we setting a positive example for Jesus? Are we portraying Jesus and Christianity in a positive light every day that we go to work? And again, I'm not saying you have to walk around with your Bible in your hand. And I'm not saying that you got to openly preach the word to people. But are we at least having those conversations with people about how important our faith is to us? And how much Jesus means to us so that hopefully they will see or hear something in us that points them back to Jesus. And that's what it's all about. Influencing those people that you're with 40, 50, 60 hours a week for Jesus, so that hopefully then they can take that home to their families and their friends and their circles, and it spreads. And see, that's how this idea of resilient disciples continues to spread through our workplace. So what are our takeaways? Where do we go from here? Don't look at your work as simply a career. Yes, it is a career, and it's important, and you need to make money to support your family, and the Bible is very clear that we should support our families. So don't misunderstand this. But look at it as worship. Don't just be a doctor. Be a disciple-making doctor. Don't just be a lawyer. Be a disciple-making lawyer. Don't just be a chef. Be a disciple-making chef. Take out the word doctor, lawyer, and chef and insert whatever your job title is, whatever that may be, and add to your title disciple-making. Whatever it is. How cool would it be to be able to tell somebody, hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, I actually work in sales, but I'm a disciple-making salesperson. Now, yes, that sounds a little bit funny, but what if that were true, that you weren't just a salesperson, you're a disciple-making salesperson? That's what I want to leave you with here this morning. Think of your workplace as your mission field. God gave us all different talents and abilities, and thank goodness he did, because what if he had made us all preachers? We wouldn't have any doctors, and we wouldn't have any nurses, and we wouldn't have any grocery stores because we wouldn't have people doing those things. God needs different people to do different things, and he has gifted us with the abilities to do that. But I want you to start looking at that as your mission field. You may never go to Africa or Asia, but where is your mission field? It's right there in front of you five, six days a week when you go to work every day. So I want you to think through that. And in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And if we can help you in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. If we can pray for you, we are here to pray for you. If you need help with this idea of how do I talk to people at my work, please reach out to us. We'll be happy to talk you through what that looks like or what that could look like. 
or maybe you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you have an opportunity to do that. Please reach out to us. The baptistry is full. It's clean. It's ready to go. And we'll be more than happy to come up. We'll wear our masks. We'll socially distance. And we'll get you baptized into Jesus Christ. There's no reason to wait. So I want to encourage you to reach out as we get ready to sing the next song. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. I'll worship Your holy name. I'll worship Your holy name. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Don't forget about our midweek services as well. And don't forget about the survey because your opinion does matter to us. We're not meeting the way that any of us would like to be meeting right now, but we are trying to look and see if there are some other options that may be available to us that you guys would prefer. So please take a moment if you haven't already to fill out the survey. Your opinion really does matter to us. We are one big church family. Um, again, thank you so much for joining us wherever you may be and whatever platform that you're watching on. Next week again at 1015, we'll have our children's worship. At 1030, we'll have our main worship service, and we're going to continue talking about this concept of building resilient disciples and really building resilient faith, because I think now more than ever, that's what we need. Would you please join me in a moment of closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this opportunity and this technology that we have that we can still come together and to worship your holy name. We ask that as we get ready to go our separate ways, we ask that you would continue to be with us, continue to bless us, continue to watch over us, and help us look for ways to truly make our workplace our worship. Heavenly Father, most of all, we thank you for all the things that you've done for us, and we thank you for that amazing gift of sending your Son. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week. Come set your rule and reign. In our hearts again, increase in us, we pray, unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us we seek your kingdom first we hunger and we thirst refuse to waste our lives for your our joy and prize to see the captives hearts released the hurt the sick the poor at peace we lay down our lives for heaven's cause. We are your church. We pray revive.